All right, Mitch and his dad podcast episode 23. I'm Mitch and with me as always is my dad. How are you? All right, all right. We're in the midst of sports heaven right now. Sports heaven. Sports heaven. You got the NBA playoffs and the National Hockey League playoffs and the Major League Baseball season. I mean, it's just too much. I, I didn't know you watched hockey. Oh, man, I love hockey. Hockey's the most fun to watch in anything on television. Hmm. Even football doesn't come close to hockey. I mean, it's nonstop brutality. That's true. It is definitely nonstop brutality. And it's got other elements that I can't mention because it would be politically incorrect. But it's <laughs> fun to watch. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I know where you. I know what you're thinking. I'm not. I'm not. I'm yeah, not, I'm not going to say it. it. I'm not taking Look, any it's blame. It's very obvious. It's very obvious. I won't say it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I hear you got a lot of fires out there. Well, there's fires up, you know, north uh, northwest of us. We're not in the fire zone, but uh, it's uh, we're having a drought. It's like three years in a row of drought. So the, the ranchers out in the out in the prairie are. Uh, Having all kind of problems. Yeah, we 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 get this time of year for us is the tremendous thunderstorms with the hail and the sleet and the tornadoes. That's what we get in the spring. No, I got you. We've had two of them, but they both have passed north of the metroplex or north of our part of the metroplex. Hmm. But uh, you never so you're, know. You're safe for day. now. Well, you never know what day you're going to get this. It's not like a, you know, yeah. forecast two days ahead of time. They, they come sweeping in, you know. Right, right. So anyway, I, the weather is not a subject for California people. It's, you know, you don't have weather. Yeah. Like Phoenix. Phoenix doesn't have weather either. Actually, yeah, yeah. Phoenix is a good place to live. I should move back to Phoenix. Yeah. I was just there, you know, over the weekend. Yeah, I know. I got your picture this morning. Oh, yeah? Which With one the baby, you... yeah. Oh, the one where I was holding him. Yeah, I got another one. When I first showed up, they were changing him. And I got a picture where I held out my hand to shake his hand. And I didn't realize how small babies were, but I don't know if you can see oh, the photo there. look at that. I know. He's just so tiny. He will have no tattoos. Yeah, we'll see about that. And once Uncle Mitch takes him out for his 18th birthday to get him a oh, tattoo. <laughs> I'm going to have to work on him at a very early age, six. Yeah. We'll right around good. the time of his first communion. Of course. Communions, he says. That'll be well, a good one. Well, you got to raise him Catholic, right? I mean. No, you, you probably don't. I, I don't think that's necessarily a requirement. Besides, well, he's gonna Sam's... Get baptized. Is he going to get baptized? Well, besides, Sam's also, you know, partially Jewish. I have no he, idea if that's going to... I think he's all at, you know, like... You think he follows it and everything? Maybe so. Uh, I mean, he seems... He's kind of... I mean, he seems far more atheist than Jewish, but I think that he still holds... I mean, like, I, you know, I watched him eat bacon. You know, he celebrated Easter. He celebrated Christmas with us. I think he, I, I don't think he really cares that much. I don't know that he, I, I guess he kind of comes off one of those people, and I've known many of them in my life, who I don't think 
the thought of religion really even enters their mind. Well, you know, here's the thing. This is the way you got to look at it. I brought this up before, so I'll nauseate you a little bit. You got to think of it this way. You're not going to hurt the baby by having a, a, a baptism. The baby, it's not going to be painful or anything. Okay. Well, not physically, only emotionally. Oh. Well, the baby's not going to feel the emotion either. But oh no! Well, not a baby. If you really. have the if you have the baptism, you know, and the whole Christian thing is the, is really the truth, which I believe in, but not everybody does. But if it is, <laughs> you got your bases covered in case. You see what I'm saying? That's the reason for believing. That yeah, is. Yeah, reason. but I I I we've come down to this a million times. Because yeah, but I'm just saying that's there's a the, thousand, but there's a thousand different, there's a thousand different just in cases that if you had to cover all those bases, you'd be standing there your whole life going, well, but, just in case I got to do this and I got to gree-gree and I have to. Is, baptism covers quite a few of those so-called religions and none of the other religions, if you <laughs> bear with me with the Buddhists and the Mormons and all them, none of the other ones require it. So you would not. You know what I mean? It's not like right, right, you're doing right. but it. But what I'm, I'm saying is going beyond that. Instead of something else. Is right, what right. In other words, you're playing it safe is all. You're just saying, okay, yeah, you know, let's get baptism. It's the just premise. Jesus really is the reason for Easter. It's the premise of the thing. It's like if you did that with every religion where you're going to do something just in case because that religion mandates it and what if they're right, then you spend your whole life, you know, on dogma and never get around to living. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what. Give me an example of another religion's belief where you would do it just in case. Well, I mean, Jewish religion, the, you might be like, I'm not going to eat ham and bacon just in case. Huh? I said, like, the Jewish religion, I'm not going to eat ham just in case. Yeah, um, but see, the thing the thing you don't have to worry about with the Jews is they don't believe in anything true. happening after you die. They don't have so, a big, they don't have a hell. All I'm saying is, just take this. For what it is, mm -hmm. I mean, all it is is a safety net. Uh, yeah, but see, I, I it, feel like it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to get on your knees and kiss the priest's ring or something. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple thing. It takes like five minutes. He reads a few words. He puts the holy water on the face, and it's over with. You know, it takes less time doing nothing at all. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know. but. You're taking a chance. Why? That's a you're big not chance. Taking, no, you're taking zero chances. That's a huge chance. Zero that's, chances. It's it's zero chances right. whatsoever. Well, listen to the podcast. Did she tell you? Uh, she's a little behind, but she does listen. I talked okay. to her about well, some of the recent commentary. Be, this is going to be her way of thinking about this because I'm not going to bring this up to her because I don't want to offend anybody. You know. But I that, honestly don't think Sam cares, and I think Meredith would do it if it made somebody happy. Okay, good. You That's know what I'm good. saying? It would make me happy. That's well, good. I, I could see her. I think she did that before just to make Mom happy, but I could be wrong. She seems so, that, you know. Do you think the two girls are baptized? I don't believe they are, but uh, I'm just saying I know that they, like, went to church and stuff like that on occasion and, you know, things like that. Meredith, much like Sam, I think also follows the. I just, I don't think she puts much thought into religion. I think that's why they get along, is I don't think either one of them ever spends a minute thinking about religion. Yeah, well. Which I would like to get to that point, but it's just so hard. 
Well, it's a time, you know, the thing about it is there always comes a time when you think about it. Yeah, it's there's unfortunate. No, there's no human being on the face of the planet that doesn't have a period of time where they don't think about after dying. I mean, it's a pretty normal thing. Yeah, it's how it all started, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty normal to think about it. Yeah. But, you know, when you go through the holy season that I just went through with the with the Lenten season and the Palm Sunday and the Easter, Good Friday and the, and, and, and the, and the Easter, and it's a glorious, very happy, upbeat thing when you go through it, particularly in the Catholic Church. Might because, I ask you, what did you give up for Lent? Well, I gave up a number of things, but mm. it's not important. Okay. To you, I mean, it's not, you know, I didn't I'd give up. I'd be curious if you gave up anything and, and held to it and it was difficult. Well, I think anything you give up is something you had or do that you're not doing or having. So there's there's a sense of difficulty. But I certainly am not commending myself for what I gave up. I mean, I, you know, there's things you could, like I, like I could have gave up golf. You know, that would be right, pretty right. Sad. So I'm not strong enough for that at this point. Yeah, I see. I mean, is there like a symbolism to what you're giving up in a sort of a sin sense where it's like trying to give up something otherworldly that's sinful or anything like that? I mean, I no, don't know. I, I, think, I think it really is something where you, you're giving up something just to remind you of what the period that you're in is about. Hmm. The 40 days of Jesus being in the desert I mean, you just you, you you remember that when you give up stuff because every time you tempted to do something that you gave up and you don't do it or have it or whatever, uh, you're reminding yourself of what Lent actually is. And then you go through, you know, each Sunday Mass builds up to the Easter Mass, and uh, you know it's 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 kind of exciting actually. Right. And I really feel, and I mean, I'm being very honest. I'm not kidding around. I'm being honest with you. I really feel that people that did not experience it as a child, like I have since the day I was born, really missed a huge piece of life. Huge piece. And I take the blame for you and Meredith. I take the full blame. Because your mother would have went right along with whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, I feel like I got more than enough of it as is. Well, I but I, you didn't done have less the, of you it. Didn't have, it, the reason, the reason <clears throat> obviously, is because I was divorced, which kind of put you on a different level. And I think I didn't uh, feel comfortable taking part in raising the two of you, sending you through Catholic school and all of that, which is what we should have done. But it's too late to think about that now. So I'm so glad that I, didn't happen. I would have been well, a miserable person. You, you're glad because you're thinking the way you think now. Yeah, and I'm you know, going through the indoctrination that I went through from the kindergarten on. Or first I'm glad grade. I wasn't brainwashed. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> if you had gone through that, you would be a better person right now. Well, I don't know that I'm if, a bad person I, as it stands. If that's possible because you're pretty good, pretty good guy, really. Yeah, well, that's. I guess this is one. There's a psychological phenomenon that I read about, and I wish I could remember the term for it, but the basic idea is that people will sort of um, trade the idealized version of a good thing they're doing for an excuse to do a bad thing later. 
Yeah. It's, it's sort of on a on a microcosmic level. It's why Prius. See, you're too tied up. You're too tied up with trying to choose the one hundredth of one percent. No, no, no. Hear me out. This that, is, are, that are also bad people. This is that, not. That's, this is not. That's messed up. You, you know, you want to talk about some priest out of the millions no, of them. No, I'm not talking about kids. that. I, I'm not saying that specifically. I, I'm saying this. This applies. But that's what you feel about it. I, I was going to say about it, that's what you bring up is the bad people i was going to say i was going to talk about prius owners actually i was saying on a microcosm level i have noticed that prius drivers have fewer regard for other people on the road and or in a parking structure than <laughs> other cars and i uh, theorize it's because they think well i'm saving the planet no turn signals and uh, i've just noticed a higher percentage of that that's pretty interesting isn't that what uh, what's his name uh al gore no, no, the guy from the uh, the, 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 the the comedian, the 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 guy that wrote all the the uh, the TV show, the famous TV show. Larry David, what are we funny doing? guy, you know the uh, what, Seinfeld. I mean, Seinfeld, yeah. Who's the writer? The producer, the director. Larry David. Larry David. That's yeah. what he does. Isn't the Prius? Uh, I think in the show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think he does what's in that show because I was told that the office that he has in the show is actually his office. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that before is that he's kind of as, as sort of neurotic and weird as he is on the show and sort of based. Yeah. That's it why is, he it. can improv it so well. Yeah. And he's on screen more Don't than anybody you else. I like people like that, though. I do. Well, I think I, I personally, I don't know about you, but I personally like feeling like I sort of live in a sitcom based on the people around me. Well, where you're living is part of that problem. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, sitcom city. I, I liked weird people in Phoenix, though. I don't like affectations. I like people who just, you know, you could take them. They said it in that Larry David thing, the, the very first episode, that documentary sort of thing, where Jerry Seinfeld said Larry David is proof of uh, of personalities being concrete. You could take Larry David and stick him into any situation, and he'll be Larry David. He will not adapt to the situation. Yeah. And i that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, where somebody's a character. You see, I've been character. criticized for being like that <laughs> over the years. Right, right. I have. I've been criticized. No, I'm saying right. I could, I could see that. I don't, I don't fold into the situation. I'm still, you know, Leo T. I mean, I, I'm... I just can't. Uh, I tell you what's so disappointing at the present time, however. What's that? This is that my son, the computer genius, the creator of websites, refuses to help his father with his website. It's not a refusal. I mean, it's a horrible thing for me to think of. I bring it up at my golf games all the time. I, I, I just, the thing is that when you tell me website ideas, they're usually either exceedingly lofty or you've kind of got something already and it needs to work with that. That's the two no. that I've, that's the two that I've heard from you. Let me ask you a question. Like it would take is there anything, me a, a team of 10 people. Is there anything in the world wrong with things that are exceedingly lofty? Well, what is the negative? No, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with it in any sort of theory or otherwise. I like lofty goals. I just can't necessarily take the time out of my life to, to help with them because 
They require... You're too busy fiddling with other junk. That's well, not even that, <laughs> Yeah, but the other thing is, I don't, I, I don't think I could do it on my own, and certainly not in the amount of time I have free in the day. You know, it's like, if I, if, if my comedy worked out and I wasn't working anymore and I was like a millionaire comedian, I could hire a team to do whatever I wanted. I'd you don't like, even... Go help my dad. Go to Texas and help my dad. You give me like guidance, like a consultant would do. Right. I have. When you've asked me, oh. you've called me up asking questions about how does this work or how does that work, and I've helped you out. I have a specific thing that is absolutely the most genuine idea. Even you would say this. I'm not about to say this on the podcast. Yeah, a good idea. Yeah. Because 15 million people would be out there doing the same thing within two minutes. Right. But I just tell you, even you will have to agree that this is unique. It's hard for uniqueness to come out of a website. I don't I don't think that you've given me ideas that are terribly not unique or anything like that. I'm just yeah, but, a lot of times but, I go like I can't do that and you know what I'm saying like so I go well you have to dial it down if you dial it down it's not good anymore. This is beyond anything I've ever discussed with you before. Okay. Well, I'll listen to it, you know, it's Okay. I got a few projects of my own I, I'm working on. I actually on your projects. I felt I I came up with an idea and it is actually based on a conversation you and I had here on the podcast, so I'll tell you off the air. But I uh, came up with an idea to solve a problem that I've had all of my life, and I'm having more and more in recent times. And again, we've talked about it on the podcast. You've had the same problem. And uh, then, interesting, like, the day after I came up with it, I made all these notes. I sat there for, like, two hours writing notes, trying to sketch out ideas for it. And the day after... An article ran in the New York Times that almost everyone I know linked to that described this very problem. And I was like, I can't believe nobody has figured this out yet. And I've kind of figured it out. Or at least I've got the basic idea. I just haven't had a chance to work on it. Even my own ideas are kicked to a back seat, you see. I don't have time for my own. Like, I came up with a website like a year ago that I worked hard at and and put up all you know put all these man hours into it spent about a week did nothing but work on this site and it's still not done i haven't really had a chance to touch it since then and it would only take me another two days of work so what was the price of gasoline in phoenix way cheaper actually i didn't get gas in phoenix i got gas just outside of arizona and it was uh it's like 360 regular yeah yeah out here it's like a dollar more than that or maybe not. I think it's about four thirty or something. Again, I didn't get gas out here. I got gas on the way both times. Washington D.C. is five oh four. Wow, that's pretty heavy. You think they do that just sort of as a banner to remind the president? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You think, I'll tell you what hey, I by think. The way. You know, I've been I've been following oil business since my dad's days with Shell Oil Company. It's a fascinating thing, oil business. I actually think what it is is if you think about the price rise of gasoline, of course, they used to talk about it because it was scarce, it was expensive, but that's, they've discovered that that's no longer true. Um, I think it has to do with something similar to what somebody like Procter & Gamble does with prices, and that is they establish a price base that it will never go down below again. Hmm. In other words, like when gas was $2 a gallon, right. 
I mean, people went bonsai. You know, it was like, what? $2 a gallon. Mm. Well, they jacked it all the way to 3 in a very pretty quick period. And now $2 is established. They will never go below $2. Yeah. But see, now what they're doing is they're jacking it toward $4, which means $3 is going to become the accepted price. So what's going to happen now is when it drops, it will go down again. Yeah. And when it goes down, it'll be like three thirty, three twenty nine, and we'll be like, oh man, gas prices are going down again. <laughs> three dollars will become the basement. It'll never go below three again. But they keep doing this, you know, because I mean, I used to pump gas. It was twenty nine cents a gallon in those days. Yeah. And. I remember when the gas was 59 cents a gallon, people were going just, you know, the price has doubled. You can't afford to drive your car. Yeah. Well, it seemed like it stayed, it seemed like gas prices stayed under a dollar for until, because when I first started driving, it was under a dollar. Really? Oh, yeah. It was I didn't like, think you remembered under a dollar. Yeah, it was 89 cents when I first started driving. And I remember, yeah. I remember when it got up to like a buck oh six because I had like a dollar. Well, that was that was a that was a horrible period right there when it started getting over a dollar. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. I remember I was probably seventeen, eighteen years old. I remember it was a dollar six, and I had like a dollar one, and I was like, man, if I I just want to get like a full gallon to feel good, that you know, a full gallon, you know. You see, Procter and Gamble, which owns the grocery stores because they have the number one brand in like seven different categories and that's not an exaggeration when I used to sell cake mix for Pillsbury it was a competitor of Duncan Hines which is the Procter and Gamble and Duncan Hines would price their cake mix at let's say 450 for a 12 box case that was the wholesale price to the buyers well, you knew that that once it got over $4, it was never going to be below $4 again. Never. And, of course, it went to 5 and then it went to 6 and now it's like 11 But mm. they always did that. They would establish this price. They would go kind of above it for a while and then kind of float back down, giving you the feeling that it was coming back down and you were relieved. And then... It would never get below that base again. Then they would go back up and go. It's just like the gasoline. In other words, the gas is, parts of this country are now spending over $5 a gallon on gasoline. Yeah. When that gasoline goes to 365, these people are going to be thinking they're in heaven, okay? Yeah. You're never going to see gas below $3 again. It's just the way they do it. That's the, uh, that's the law of abusive relationships. That's the law of profit. <laughs> well, I'm saying like it goes it goes to an emotional thing. It's the same thing as like people I've known that have dated abusive people, they will always when you when you call them out on that person's very abusive or mean, they'll always say, "But you don't know him or her." Usually it's him. Yeah. You don't know him. He's actually, you know, when he's calm and he's not having a bad work day, he's actually very nice. And I would I would I would go so far as to say because I know I've known some of them that his nice, his borderline nice is really still not as nice as just an all around nice person, but it's nicer than him being a complete jackass. And so, so it's nice for him. Yeah, 
And so, but they, but they take those moments as these golden moments that they want to hang on to. Whereas if they're nice the whole time, nobody, you don't appreciate it. It's a law of abusive relationships. That you should do in your skits. See, this kind of stuff is funny stuff. You don't have to curse. There's no. (laughs) I love that you're like, you don't have to curse. You think I wouldn't throw some curse words in there. But you, I mean, you don't need to though. It's just funny by itself. It's a funny thing. It's funny. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, there's some stuff that's just funny. Well, I'll have to make a note of that when I'm... Uh, yeah, you need to make notes like that. Yeah. I, I forget. I have a lot of these weird rants. But the, the other problem is that I have where I'm like... Weird I rant. Can't, I, can't, I can't always find a place like to put a book. Weird rant. <laughs> I've, I've tried. I, I started writing a book years ago about my, you know, with various rants, stories that taught me a weird lesson. Yeah. Like, here's what I learned about blank because this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I never really got around to doing anything with it. But, you know, it's this kind of thing. I, I now have a problem of, like, where do I fit that into an act? That's why so many things end up kind of vulgar, because I can always fit it in the act if it's vulgar. I can always switch from one vulgar thing to another. But switching from, for instance... Um, I can't even reference a joke without sounding dirty, but whatever. Uh, why I don't go to strip clubs, let's say, or whatever, to I have a whole rant about the the origins of milk, and that's a that's a clean bit. I've done that. I've done that at kids' birthday parties about how <laughs> because because I still feel like the origins of milk are funny to me because I think about there had to be some enterprising guys. And I, it has to be men because we're gross like that. Uh, two guys up on a hill staring at this cow with these just nipples flapping in the wind, covered in mud. And one of them was like, "Hey, man, let's take a drink." <laughs> and and indeed they did. And it's weird to me that not only do they take a drink and really like it, which is weird enough, but then they put it in a bucket and brought it to the townspeople and said, "You guys gotta try this milk thing." We got it Think out all that. the stuff. Think all the stuff they made out of that milk. That's what I'm saying. They bring it back. To the, look, we we grabbed this from this animal on the hill, and they're like, all right, and they drink it, and they're like, yeah, we do really like this. And what's even weirder is that we got sick and we're dying from milk. <laughs> and a French guy came along, and go, no, 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 we we don't have to stop doing that. We could just boil the milk, and we're good. We're good. <laughs> You'd think they'd learn a lesson. Hey, we're sick and dying from this stuff. And All right, now like, here's oh, no. let's just boil it. Here's the you want to know the greatest coincidence in the history of mankind, okay? I should say civilization okay, instead of mankind. Of them, so I'm curious. Can you ones. use mankind anymore, or do you have to yes, say mankind? You're fine with mankind. Okay. You could say humankind if you want to be super. Yeah, humankind. That's that's probably what it should be. Um, I okay, here we go. The human race All myself. Right, back go ahead. to the days. We're back to the days of the great. John D. Rockefeller, the richest man that ever lived. Mm. Okay, I mean, and that's unquestioned. There's no, there's yeah. no question. A man had over twelve percent of the national, gross national product. So, the richest man in the world today doesn't even have one hundredth of one percent. So right. he was definitely the richest man that ever lived. But anyway, Rockefeller has. He tried to get to where he could control the use of a product called naphtha, which is a type of 
fuel oil that burns like lamps. You'd put uh, you'd put you put it in a lamp and you light it, and that would be the light in your house. Okay, like kerosene. Like kerosene before kerosene. Oh, okay. So he tried to, as he always did. His main goal in business was always to monopolize the situation. Right. Okay. So he comes along and he and he's get this idea with the with the trying to move away from using whale oil, for instance, to light your house. You're now going to use this oil that they can sell, and a truck would come around to your house, and they would pour it in a bucket, and you that would be your month's supply. However, they distributed. Mm-hmm. Well, not Rockefeller owned the barrels they put the oil in, the trucks they shipped it in, and the places it came out of the ground. I mean, he took over the whole thing. Wow. And the world was great as far as he was concerned. And all of a sudden, up in Pennsylvania, they discover this gooey black stuff that comes out of the ground oil, and it lights like a, you know, it's, it's very ignitable. Right. So... <clears throat> A French scientist who became unknown after this, although he's the guy who figured out how to refine the oil so that you could use it. <laughs> so one of the byproducts of the oil was kerosene. Mm. So now here's John D. Rockefeller. He's already set up with a distribution center, and they invent, discover kerosene. Okay. So now <laughs> he's got this other product. He takes control of that product. So now what happens? Beaumont, Texas, spindle top blows the biggest oil well ever known at that point. And the oil boom of Texas hits. Well, John D. is now like, well, what can we do with this oil? Well, we can do a number of things. We're going to use it to, for locomotives. We're going to use it uh, to uh, light our houses with. Well, along comes Thomas Edison with electricity. We don't need that oil anymore, right? Mm -hmm. That's what happens. Ford starts making automobiles, and guess what it needs? Oil. It needs fuel. So now John D's got the fuel. I got it. I got the oil you need right here. So eventually, even electricity is powered by oil because that's what goes into the generators. And, of course, it ends up powering our whole lives. Everything we do, everything we see and look at and breathe and look at comes from oil. And John D. becomes so rich that you can't even think of it. But what what I'm getting at is all these things (laughs) happened in his lifetime and each one just fell right in line with what he was already doing. Right, right. I mean, it was the coincidence is beyond belief, really. And of course, he believed that it was divinely inspired, and therefore he became a very religious guy and built all kinds of churches all over the country. And uh, we we frequented the one in our going about New York City. There's a big one there that that's the original one that he built. It's a big Baptist church. And, uh, in fact, they say that it's still under construction, that it's been under construction for 100 years. They're constantly changing it and building stuff. But anyway, I, I, to me, there's no there's no coincidence in history that even comes close to that. Hmm. I mean, they invent the automobile. Right, right. The point when he's like, oh, wait a minute, the electricity is going to put me out of business. <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. I mean, it's incredible. 
Very lucky man. Very, very lucky man. And he lived to be an old guy, too. Yep. And they still have Rockefeller Plaza right there in New York. And now it's the source of uh, one of the top TV shows in the world. Well, several of them, really. Uh, what? Uh, 30 Rock, Saturday Night Live, you know, all that. ABC, oh. I think, right? Or what? NBC? Who is it? Rockefeller Plaza. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Well, I've read two biographies of his, one of them about him. And the latest one was the best one. It was really good. It was really fun to read. It was like 700 pages. And it's real interesting to read about guys like that because it's just like Vanderbilt, who was living at the same time and was also became a millionaire. And his idea was to ferry people across the river in New York from Brooklyn and Queens and all that into Manhattan. So he ran these ferries back and forth. And of course, forever he was known as Commodore Vanderbilt. <laughs> and in fact, the university named after him, which is Vanderbilt University, is the Vanderbilt Commodores. <laughs> oh, I see. He was about as much a Commodore as I'm a doctor. You know, he, <laughs> he had ferry boats going back and forth across the river. Oh, boy. I don't know what a Commodore is. Oh, you know? a Commodore is like a captain. Oh, a, I, see. I see. A ship. All right. But All this right. was not exactly a ship, but he was known as the Commodore because he had so much money. He could be whatever he wanted to be, you know. That's true, yeah. You want to call yourself Captain, you can be Captain. Yeah, you, you can be a Captain. Now, Tommy really is a Captain, by the way. Did you know that? Did not know that. He's a licensed Captain. Wow. Impressive. Captain Tom. When's he going to head out to sea? Explore well, he, the, or... oh, he takes people on those uh, boating trips to fish out in the Gulf. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about that, yeah. But he has credentials that would allow him to be a captain of ship. In other words, he's the same as a guy who can marry you when he's out at sea. He can, char he can, he can actually practice matrimony on two people out in the water. Hey, so could I. On dry yeah, land. But, but it wouldn't be legal. It would. I'm a reverend. No, you're a reverend. I am. I have a certificate and everything. Think. Wait, wait, what church? It's the Universal Life Church of California. Oh, my goodness. And they gave you a, a diploma or something? Yeah, or? yeah. Say I'm an honorary reverend. I have been since I was 19. What does the Universal Church believe in or not believe in, I should say? Uh... Not not much of anything. They're non-denominational. But I mean, they believe they're atheists. Yeah, yeah, they're non-denominational. Non-denominational is not necessarily atheist, by the way. Okay. Some of the biggest churches in our country are non-denominational, but they're not atheists. They, okay. Well, they, this is a, this is I, I. They don't really have a you know charter of that sort. You know. It's not. It's not silly. It's a difficult thing to do. I'm just saying. I don't believe in like Jesus and stuff. No, certainly not. Certainly not. <laughs> no, none of that. Oh, we need to put you in a foxhole. <laughs> There's no atheists in foxholes. There you go. Well, that's hardly true. There's been plenty oh, of, uh, you know, that. That's definitely true. The army has, uh, you know, special symbols they'll put on your grave depending on your religion, and they have one for atheists. Well, you know what's funny? I saw this in a so movie. there had to be at least one atheist in a foxhole. 
I see. I, I had this line. This this scenario was in a movie recently, and it's what I wish for you. Oh. What he was doing was. He didn't like the fact that his son was not a religious person. Mm-hmm. And what he did was they were sitting at a big table eating dinner and he makes a toast to his son who was visiting from out of town. And he says, what I wish is for no failings to come upon you that would require you to change your belief in Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what I, I wish for you. I, I hope you. I hope you have the kind of life where you never get to the point where you're so disgusted that you're calling on God, who you've never believed in, or Jesus, to help you because there's no one else there. I mm-hmm. hope you never get in a situation where you need to do that because I wouldn't want to see you in that bad a situation. That's the point of it. I it's understand. not wishing the person stays an atheist. It's just you don't want them to get. In, a, in that bad a spot, you know. Yeah, I understand. I, I could see when one is uh, faced at all odds, they call on any number of uh, anything they need to in there. In a superstitious kind of, you know, it's a sort of lucky rabbit's foot or, you know, whatever have you. I mean, I've certainly had plenty of times in my life where it's like, you know, something felt lucky to me. And um, it's silly, and I know it, but it's like, you know, it eases your mind enough to where you can focus and and I've done a lot of research on that from a psychology aspect, and that's that's what religion provides for a lot of people, or luck, or whatever superstitions, things like that. Yeah. Is that when you have something that can ease your mind, or make you uh, relaxed or calm, or at least uh, level your head out to where you can think clearly, then you will, and then you can make a decision that'll get you out of that situation. Um, and it doesn't matter what it is, really, as long as you can find a way to center yourself, so to speak. Yeah. So, again, I, I know well, I, ra- I rationalize situation, that. There are situations you can't get out of. Definitely. <laughs> I just don't want you to have any of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, right, that, now, you know. I was I've been, a, oh, go ahead. And bringing these things up off of my notes here. All right. I got a few myself, so ready All when right. you are. I want to know... What you think life would be like if there were no cell phones? Uh, I guess I would call on 1985. Or <laughs> you know, uh, we'd be back to where we were when I was. You realize so I'm you, to... so well, what do you think it would be like, like right now? Um, no cell phones. Do I have an internet connection as well, or? Oh yeah, you got you got all the other stuff. Everything there's, else except for cell phones. There's no cell phones. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, frankly, that's how it was in high school. I had an internet connection, um, yeah. but didn't have a cell phone, and, and it was suffer because of this. Um, that's what I've thought about myself. Uh, because I feel like yeah, there's with every convenience we get, we lose. Um, the ingenuity to figure it out otherwise it's sort of the there's an old buddhist saying that uh when the, a blind man sees everything um until he's given sight and then he loses half of his sight you know it's sort of that kind of because because anything in your mind could be imagined uh, but you can't see so everything's possible but now that you can yeah. see okay now you can walk easier 
but you know that things are definitely, you know, look a certain way. You can no longer imagine what they looked like um, before you saw well, them. So it's, I so think it's like because that. I've spent such a large part of my life hunting phones and talking on phones. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like buying a very expensive car versus a practical car. In other words, you really don't need the cell phone. But because everyone else has one, <laughs> then you got to have one because don't have people want to be able to call you. People that are working in a company somewhere are going to probably be required to have them. Right. So it's become like a pair of shoes or something, you know. Yeah. But if you think about not having cell phone, no one has them. It's never been invented. We don't know anything about it. There's no cell phone. Life would be much more pleasant. Much more pleasant. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made either way, and I think that, yeah. I think that, I guess what, I, what I'm saying is that when it comes to any technology, um, in however loose you want to define that word, there's an initial benefit right away, and then it takes some time for it to integrate itself into society. Like with the advent of cell phones, we almost—I wouldn't say immediately, but very quickly throughout the life of the cell phone have stopped using it to call people. Like I, most yeah. people, most people I know text message. I almost never get phone calls. You're one of the few people I actually talk to on the phone. Yeah. And we don't even talk that much on the phone. We talk on here. <laughs> so it's like, well, uh, you know, and I love talking well, on the phone. I but. think that's an age thing too, because like people that I know, a lot of them closer to your age and my age, we still use a cell phone quite a bit to talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. Texting is, is a kind of a younger thing, Definitely. in my imagination of it. I mean, Definitely. I know that school kids, for instance, college down, are just nothing but texts. I mean, that's all they do. Yeah, they could care less if they could actually call Get, anybody with it. Dump this phone that I have because it's a terrible phone. And I went to look at some phones, and I, you know, I'm always looking for the free phone. Right, right. I saw this one, and I thought it was pretty neat. It had touchscreen. It's not an iPhone. And uh, I said, okay, well, I might get this one. And then she pulls it out, and this thing slides out at the bottom, and it's a whole keyboard. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know those. I would not use that. She said, well, that's for texting. I said, well, I don't use it. <laughs> yeah. Don't text? No, I don't text. You never text? I said, no, I've never texted. I said, I actually uh, receive texts, though, on my phone. Uh, people yeah. want to insist on texting me. Well, you see, now, the, I think, uh, now, there's a few texting things. Texting is a total, absolute, impossibly ridiculous waste of time. Te texting is the new telegram of your. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's, it's for short-form messages, you know, like, uh, but then, you know, I have... It bothers no, me when people want to spend way too much time thinking about texting. And if you think about what gets text, think about the massive amount of texting. It's almost all, you know, what are you doing? Yeah, well, I mean, this is what did you do for breakfast. Th this is how kind of our or today our, our, our society has sort of become this passive thing where wherever, like, 
if you notice, we're really weird about our time now, where it's like everything has to be as fast as it can be. I want everything on demand. I have to DVR it because I don't have the time to watch it live. I got to, you know, this thing and that thing. And, and when it comes to cell phones and the text message especially, that's another one of those things where it's like, yeah, well, I don't want to bother somebody and take them out of their day just because I need to get a hold of them. So I'll send them a text message and they'll get around to it when they have a chance. And, and yeah, same is true that, with the phone. The same is true with the phone. If they don't answer the phone call because they're too busy, you leave them a message. Yeah, but, What's the difference? but it feels like a bigger intrusion because it's right then and now. Because if you don't answer it right then, you know you got to call them right away. You know, it's a very... I'm telling you, I have a lot of people I know that they no just way they see that the phone and they go like, oh, God, it's like, There's you know. There's no way that argument makes sense. I'm sorry. All right, I'll put it this way. I know for a fact this happens all the time, and this will show age and location difference. Probably more age than anything. It happens all the time where I'm out with somebody and they get a text message and they just look at their phone real quick. We carry on the conversation, and then as soon as there's a few seconds, they'll... And they're just texting real quick, and it's done, and we're back to the conversation. If a phone call comes in, everything stops. And Why? Like, I, Why do they have to answer because the now phone? Because you've got you to step away. Well, I'm just saying that that's a phone call takes you out of your day, whereas yep, a text message doesn't. Let, let it go to your voicemail, and you can get the voicemail just as easy as you can to text. In fact, it's easier. You'd, you'd think that, uh, but again, Which well, I, I'm telling you that a lot of a lot of people I know don't check their voicemail. I couldn't tell you how many times I call people and it's I like, no, but the only, the only reason the only reason they're doing that is because they're texting. See, yeah. there's there's a certain there's a thing in your brain called the pleasure button. <laughs> yes, now, I'm aware. Pleasure button I've used in many speeches and things I've given. As well, you would. The pleasure button is what makes texting. There is no, absolute, no reason for there to be texting. I have explained this before. If you're in a loud club, you cannot hear your phone ringing, nor could you take a call to talk to somebody. You're but you could text. Oh, you let it go to the voicemail. I know, and you, you listen couldn't, to it okay. when you want to listen to it. Just if like somebody you do is standing text. out, no. If somebody's standing outside of a club, wondering if you've gone in already, they you can't. Speak He's trying to figure out one situation. No, no, I'm telling you, this is a perfect example. There's plenty of situations. This is an example because it's like, okay, okay so hear me, out, hear me out. That's one. Say, I don't have to hear you out. All right, well, I then here's another. Here's another one that happens all the time. The reason why I say it's passive. You have your phone in your pocket. Yeah. On, on voicemail, everything comes in. All the people that want to talk to you, want to send you a message, want to know what time it is, whatever they want to know. What's the weather like? Do you have any clothes on? Whatever the question is, they call you up and it goes on your voicemail. Now, you can then listen to it whenever you want to. You go in the bathroom and listen, sit in the car and listen. You can listen to one message, two, three, replay it, erase it, whatever you want to do. It's right there available to you. Now, there's no way that texting is better than that. Here's a number of reasons However, why. No, there's a number of reasons. The pleasure button. The phone does not light up your pleasure button. The text message does. That's why. That's well, it. There let is me, no. Let, no. Let me give you a practical example. Let me give you a no, practical. Here. here we go. Is I'm going to hear if it. Anyway. You, if 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 somebody calls and leaves a voicemail, I yeah. have no idea why they called until I check the voicemail, and I can only listen to it as fast as they talk. And I don't yeah. know if later on, it let's say they're leaving a three minute message. I don't know if it. 
two minutes and 56 seconds, they go, oh, by the way, so-and-so blank. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that till I get to that point. Now, thankfully, on my iPhone, I can sort of skip through a message in real time. But even still, I end up having to listen to the whole message. Now, a text message, it comes through as a block of text. There's only so much you can write there. I know I can read it in a matter of seconds, like less than five seconds. I also some text messages are not readable. What's that? Well, there's people that spell the words right. They skip words. Yeah. You're not sure what it means. There's all kinds of things. Most of the people I text I've seen with people have. people sit there, read a text message, and text back. What do you mean by that? Did you mean yes or no? You know, and that kind I've of stuff. I've absolutely seen that as well. Uh, a, lot uh, of, a lot of the phones these days have uh, autocorrect yes, and spelling. I am not here to tell you that I'm going to end text messages. <laughs> no, I know that. No. It's a pleasure button thing. That's okay. all it is. Let's okay, call it that. I'm telling you that I see a convenience to it. However, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not totally opposed to the phone calls. Playing a video game. You I, see adults sitting I'm down, can't put a... the game down. It's like I got to keep pushing these things. And why are they doing that? Because it's a pleasure button. Absolutely. Thing. But I, and I'm telling you that I still all the texting is. It's I, not needed or anything like that. It's definitely needed. But there are definitely requirements for that. No. It's, it's passive. It's not as rude to look at your phone to look at a text message as it is it's to walk phone away phone. and take a phone call. Even if it's you're checking a voicemail, that's still putting a phone up. Everything has to stop while you do that, whereas do I can you, read a text message and still listen to somebody. Do you, for one second, think you're going to convince me differently? I, I, apparently, you'll no, never to convince you. So I don't think that you ever. I don't think you'll ever change your mind on anything. I think you've you've passed that age twenty years ago. <laughs> I've changed my mind on wives, so you know. I right, well, that's, that's probably true, but uh, uh, I, I mean, I feel it's nice because it's passive. I do think that about, if somebody texts about, me, hold on, if somebody texts me more than a few times in a row for texting back and forth, I'll go to myself and I'll think this is a giant waste of time. I'm on about this. I'm telling you that I would call them. I'm trying to agree with you here. I'm uh, telling you that I let, I'm bothered when somebody just wants to text. Because it's like, no, I know that you have the time to be typing out a lengthy text message. I have the time to answer it. We'll just talk on the phone. Ah. You see. And I'll call them on the phone, and that's cool. Uh, and most of the time, if it goes on for more than two or three text messages, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to call them because that's way right quicker, the, more personal. The, the pleasure button that I mentioned to you, <laughs> that's an actual thing. I know that. I'm well aware yep. of the pleasure button. And it's it's what causes people to be drug addicts and, and alcoholics and smoke cigarettes and all that. There's a pleasure button. Absolutely. Got to get to where you can control your pleasure button, or else your life kind of goes to to the tank. You know. It's uh, endorphins. Let's, and, uh... let's talk about five years into your future. Mm -hmm. Are you planning for that five years right now? Trying. Are you really? I mean, yeah. I don't know. I I try to not. I've I've had many times in my life where I had a five year plan or a ten year plan, and I think uh, there's a part of me that's just I, I think there's like a there's a great deal of depression that I'm going through right now because I don't have any solid plan and uh, and I really hate my life right now, so I'm just trying to figure out how to get out of that and how soon I can ha make it happen without screwing up my life in any way. See what I'm saying? I can I can understand that because I see a life in exactly those terms. In other words, 
you would rather not be working a regular job. It's not particularly mm -hmm. that job. It would be any job. Yeah, there's, it's, taken yeah, away, it's taken away from the time that you could be using to refine your artistic endeavors. And it's like it's almost catch-22 a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, it, also, it also doesn't help that for many years I had – you know, I, I made a better salary than I make now, and I never had to go into an office. So I have lived the life that I was looking to have, but I know, and it sucks to have to admit it to myself, and this is why I'm so angry, is just I have to know that when I had that, I didn't, not only did I not appreciate it, but I didn't use it. I was too busy partying and having fun because it was like, hey, I don't have to do this. I don't have to be strapped down to a desk. I can... If I want to drink for three days straight, I'm going to drink for three days straight. And had I used the time then, the free time I had then, as wisely as the barely free time I have now, I would never have gone back to a job. You know? Okay. And that's what that's So what, now, that's what see, this now. is what I don't want to do is what we're doing. What's that? We're talking about the past. Mm. That well, never yeah, works. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah. We have to talk about the future. We have to realize what the reality of the situation is. And then we have to take some kind of steps that have a five-year view to it. Mm. Whatever yeah. those steps are, painful or happy, whatever they are, partially of each thing, whatever. But you need to do that because you're at that age right now where – it's hard to make a lot of mistakes because you can really cost yourself some time, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're in no, the prime of your life, else. basically. 30s and 40s, that 20 years right there, you got to make hay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, no, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I, I think what's, this is probably the first time that I, I've been actually scared to think about the future. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm it, sorry I brought it up then. <laughs> no, no, it's just it's I I think about it all the time. It's like a constant weight on my mind and it's it's the it depresses me more than anything else. And that's the first time in my life I've ever thought that way. And so, you know, I've been depressed about the here and now and I've been depressed about the past, but I've never been depressed about the future. And that's where I'm at right now. It's like a scary well, like cuz I have no idea. I just know that I'm miserable right now. And I haven't yet come up with a defined plan for how to get out. So I'm basically okay. doing this thing where I'm throwing different projects and different ideas around in hopes that one of them gets me closer or, or gives me hope to actually do something else with it. That's where I'm at. Uh-huh. So. Okay, let's, let me ask you this simple question. Okay. Is there something that you could be doing that would put you closer to what you want to be doing, but that it don't that 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 you don't have the full time to give to it, but you have some time or some money or enough cash on hand to attempt a program of planned escape i guess we'd call it yeah where you know okay there's something i could do i'll give an example and you i don't want you to take the example literally that this is what you should do but this right. is what i'm this is an example of 
okay, let's say there's a guy that's in a situation like yours and he wants to be a, an actor. Mm-hmm. And he's in the same situation you're in now and that he's he needs to make enough money to live off of and have a car and money to buy groceries and all of that. So what's he going to do? Well, he finds out that to be an actor, he's got to join. I think you've told me that I'm, I'm getting this information from you in the past. He, he's got to join the Actors Guild or whatever it is, the sure. Actors Association. It costs X number of dollars. <clears throat> Yeah. There's certain things he could do. Uh, I guess you'd say educationally, mm-hmm. like uh, go to one of these actor studio places. They may have evening things that he, he could do if he's working during the day or if he's working at night, he could do that in the day, whichever it is. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, only – not explicitly that for you, but I mean... Yeah, I get the basic idea. In other idea. words, it's something he can do that may take a while to get done, but he's working toward it so that each block that he builds along the way over a number of years is going to get him the possibility of getting where he wants to be. Absolutely. What happens is it's just like when I was 40-something years old and and really wanted to be an attorney. And I studied for the, you know, the the, the LMAT, LSMAT, whatever it's called, test, and, you know, I did real well, blah, 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 blah. And I remember telling your mother about it, and, of course, she's positive about everything, okay? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. She's not going to come up with, no, don't do that. What she did, what I said was, if I went to law school, I would be 48 years old when I got out of law school. Mm -hmm. So she goes, well, would you rather be 48 and not a lawyer or 48 and a lawyer? (laughs) (laughs) So you see what I mean? Is it That's kind of where I'm going with what I'm talking to about you. It's kind of an in-run way of doing it is that there's probably some way for your time to be spent that moves you closer to the direction you want to be in. It doesn't guarantee it, however. It just kind of moves you in that direction. Of course. So it might be something like that. I don't even know what it would be because I don't know enough about Well, no, I mean, and that's just it. I'm using what little time I have to do that, and what I'm saying is that, you know. Yeah, but does that have a specific Step yeah. by step that ends in three years or four years or something like it would be with a college degree or a professional. Mm. Now, you know, enter- entertainment yeah. doesn't have a specific. But, you know, know, you might wake up one morning and say, I think I want to be a CPA by the time I'm 35. Sure. I you mean, know what I, I mean? I understand what you mean. I'm saying that in entertainment, there's no. I mean, there's people who, who just are at the right place at the right time, more or less. I know, I know a guy who did a open mic at the comedy store um, the night after Michael Jackson died and he'd been telling this Michael Jackson joke forever and just now it had a little bit more harshness because he just died and the I think maybe it was the Laugh Factory I don't know anyway um, the owner was standing there when he told it and he was proud that the guy told the joke and people kind of turned on him and then he 
sort of made a little after joke that sort of smoothed it over. And he's like, this guy can work a crowd and he's a regular there. And so he gets uh, paid to go in, you know, he gets paid to do it two, three times on a Friday or whatever, open for big acts, etc. He's a paid comedian now. And he'd only done four or five gigs prior to that. He just, you know. Yeah. So that's one of those, like, it's, it doesn't matter if he did it a hundred times or three times. Uh, you know, sometimes that kind of stuff happens. So there's like, you know, the idea is get yourself out there as much as possible. You'll not only be a better comedian, but you're in front of more people. So you'll meet more people who would get you more gigs and so on and so forth. And that's why, for instance, I do the podcast on Monday because it's a comedy podcast i do it with comedians and i've gotten a lot of gigs out of it i have a gig coming up this sunday i had two gigs last week you know more more so than you're, so you're so you're that's kind of a little bit of a plan right there so your plan is to be visible by doing these shows whenever you can get one scheduled absolutely yeah and then i do all the different you know online stuff different uh comedy projects and stuff like that my youtube series builds up an audience makes people demand me around the country i'm I have this thing where people can demand to see me in their city, and there's, you know, about 300 people around the country, actually around the world, but mostly the country, that have demanded to see me. And I keep saying, like, if you can get, you know, 50 people to show up in a given city, I'll go there. But it's hard to get 50 people to, <laughs> in one small city in Idaho or whatever to, you know, come together and go, we want to see Mitch. So it's like, oh, there's 10 people here and five over there, you know, things like this. But that's the basic idea. Keep doing stuff like that to build up an audience. And now, then, let me ask you, you this. Know. Is the audience that you're building up and that you see live or that you do whatever it is you do online with them mm -hmm. or your podcast things, your comedy show thing where you do the interviews and all, are you the Reverend Mitch and all of those things? Yeah. So so you're 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 way past becoming someone else. You're going to be the Reverend Mitch no matter what. You're no, going to go not. down in flames being the Reverend Mitch. No, that's nope. not at all true, no. I, I would, I mean, I've considered just dropping it and being Mitch. Ah. You know, uh, that's, that's come up a few times. thought about what might do. Yeah, I mean, it's come up a million times, you know. I, certainly. audience, is it not? Uh, I don't really know. I think it's I mean, it's the kind of thing where... Uh, because, I think... believe me, your sense of humor, just as we talk, <clears throat> is so evident that you have this ability to turn things of just regular, ordinary things into something funny. I mean, you just do it naturally. You don't even, you know, you're certainly not planning it because we're doing this off the top here. Right. You know. Well, I, well, I appreciate that. And it seems to me, I mean... I guess being being dead is not a good thing because in your case because you're always going to look at anything I say in that fashion. But it just seems to me, based on my marketing expertise, that the wider audience situation would be. It seems almost evident as to me. Right. I mean, I, I, I kind of have understood over these years where you're going with the other thing because you are going to attract certain people to that that would not be attracted to wider audience stuff, okay? Right. That's how I look at it. And you're also, I guess, maybe seeing it 
and from a plus side is you're kind of separating yourself from all the other acts. Yeah, there's definitely uniqueness. You know, you want yeah. to go for that. Yeah. So that part of it seems like it's a good thing, but it has allowed you to get the experience you have of being on stage and writing jokes and all the things that are involved in the profession itself so that if you went the route you know of the larger audience and that's the term I'm going to use because I don't want to use all the other terms uh, you you know you're ready to go is what I'm saying right right well you know, I mean I, I don't think that I would I mean, when it comes down to at any and point, you might even want to spell Mitch correctly. No, I wouldn't do that. You're not going to do that. <clears throat> no, that'll never happen. I'm hoping for too many things. Yeah, too. way too many. Now, because uh, again, what's great about what I have is five letters pulls up everything I've ever done. Five. You know what I'm saying you tap M I T C Z into any search engine in the world, and everything comes I up. Want to change? Okay, I understand. I see. I mean, that's that's like a phone number. Yeah. Right now, I would not want to change my cell phone number. Yeah, exactly. It's it's <laughs> something that it's it's everything. You know, it's it's so okay. it, forget. And I it's even... so easy to find. So that's. Uh, but um, no, I mean, there's a kind of um, this sort of punk ethic, if you will, that I grew up with of uh, what they they often called selling out, and that's been used and overused so many times by punks to call other punks a sellout and bad things and stuff like this. It's the basic, oh, you know, some corporate guy came along with a truckload of money and you're no longer who you are because you wanted the money and not what you purported to represent. Now, isn't that not the most famous story they've read? They've made movies and books yeah, for yeah. years about artists not selling out. Yes. So, poor, to me... they die poor. To but me... they not sell out. Yeah, well, but that's what I'm saying. Is to me, like... The, <laughs> There's so many ways that people will call you a sellout, so you can't avoid every aspersion that's cast on you as a sellout. These people are but no, no, no. I, I don't care about that. What matters to me as a person is: did I alter? Am I doing something that that goes against what I enjoy and what I set out to do because of money? And right now, the only thing that follows that path is my day job. Wouldn't you? So that's I'm sort of selling like out make, in that sense. Wouldn't you like to make more money than that doing something you like to do? Absolutely, and that's what I'm saying about some money doing this. Uh, no, what I'm saying is that, that to wouldn't me, wouldn't be selling out. I mean, who cares no, about no, that? No, no, I'm not saying that it would be. That, huh? Not you're even going to be around. You're misunderstanding me. I'm saying that I I'm with you. I'm saying there's a way to do both. There's a way to do what I love and make more money at it. But what I'm saying is there's certain things that I enjoy about comedy in a certain way that I do comedy. You know, I, I could be a what they call a hack comic. I could do do some, you know, goofy act or something like this. I could do something that stands out and is weird and stuff, but actual comedians would be like, this is terrible. And... Audiences might go, oh, that's real funny, and maybe I'd get booked more often, and maybe I'd make more money and stuff, but that doesn't last because it's not genuine. Little, you know, trends don't last. Trends die. Gallagher yeah, comes you, to mind. While you're waiting for the trend, the time is passing. I'm not looking for the well, trend. What I'm saying to I'm you is I watched <laughs> DVD. You're misunderstanding sent, everything I'm saying. Funny things in it. But you could have done that DVD without the Reverend Mitch. 
I'm not saying I couldn't. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that I'm well, not. I'm not. Ta- I'm not appealing. To I'm not trying I'm to. Mind, in my mind, that's what you got to do: is get away from Reverend Mitch I'm and not, do the same stuff you do. I'm plan to, but I'm telling you that 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 I'm not. What I'm saying is, I'm not going to. To me, selling out would be to jump on a trend. Instead, I am my own act and my own person, and it's it's multifaceted and so on and so forth. A so weird show name, whether my show name is Prince or, you know, Madonna or whatever, they just picked an easy, recognizable name that's not their real name. There's so many actors that so, Tom Cruise, so it's, you know. so So you're going to criticize these people that have made $10 trillion. But no, you're misunderstanding think. me again. I'm not ripping on them at all. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I stick with what I'm doing because it's it's my own act. It's it's how I'm going about it. And Reverend Mitch started out as a, as part of this band thing I was doing, and I just stuck with it because it's just what I used for so long. And then I was like, yeah, why not? And now I'm like, well, I don't really like the Reverend thing because, unfortunately, it brings up negative connotations to some people and uh, negative connotations to me because other people will think I'm religious and they're like, oh, goody, he's a religious comic. And I go, no. Um, and, and so, yeah, you know, that's where I would sooner drop it. But what I'm saying is that there are ways to suddenly drop everything and be super mainstream comic who gets booked all over town because I don't curse or whatever have you. I could clean up my act and all that, but that wouldn't be me. That I wouldn't yeah, do. Yeah, but being you and being successful, what if those are two different things? <clears throat> Well, then I guess I'll never be successful. Okay. Well, there's a that's, way to be. No, that's the thing a, only you can answer right there. That's that's now that's the key thing right there. There is a way to balance the two, and that's well, what I'm saying. There are plenty of unique people that have. In fact, uh, that's really what people will attach themselves to is something unique. You don't want more of the same, and that's what I'm saying is that if you have a unique perspective on something, then people will flock to it, and. Uh, so there's a way to be me and successful, certainly. Mm. And I mean, that's I I've seen it work. I've had successful projects. Just you know, one thing went wrong here, or something else went wrong there. Um, well, I wish I wasn't your dad in those circumstances. <laughs> Otherwise, I like being your dad. But in those circumstances, I'd rather just be somebody giving you some heartfelt advice because. I mean, all I have is the history of the years I've lived. And people that make those kind of comments like you just made are never successful. That it's been my experience. And I don't care what it is. When you got this thing about, well, I'm going to be me regardless if nobody likes it or I can't be successful. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. Huh? I'm not saying that at all. That's what you just said. No, 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 no. I, I'm you saying said, that I guess you're not, you I said, said you said either you or be successful. Which one do you choose? You choose you. I, I guess I'm just going to be not about because what I, what I'm saying is that that to change everything about me to be successful would not be a life that I'd want to live. But I'm open to changing. I'm open to adaptation. I'm open to. Obviously, I don't have a mohawk anymore. There's a, an example of changing. You know, there's a lot of things that I've changed. That'd be good. I, I'm I'm changing a number of things as I go and adapting and and I'm open to adaptation and there's ways to still be me retain whatever me is yeah and real. be successful I, I don't know what it is either I'm not sure I'm not know. sure what it is you probably know you I may not know, know. <laughs> I don't know 
It's just I've, a... There's a certain, I don't know, it's a, it's everybody's got those weird combinations of things they grew up, uh, you know, taking in, whether it was advice or, or you know, tragedy or whatever, uh, and it just makes you into a, you know, I don't want to say a special snowflake, but, you know, everybody's unique in that sense. And so, if I were well, to change everything about me just because, like, I see successful comics. Don't and I'm say like, just because you'd be successful. Don't say that. Please. Well, that's that's what I'm talking. That's what you were talking about. If I have to choose choose one or the other, then then you're talking about literally choosing success over being unique or being yourself. Yeah. And I'm saying that's not a compromise that I'd be comfortable with because I just wouldn't be happy. That's where I'm at now. If I if I just put my head down and went to work and worked really hard and and cared about the job and suggested things to the company and blah blah blah. I'd, you know, I'd go up and things and I'd, you know, they'd give me a raise and all, you know, how wonderful I'd climb up that corporate ladder. But Did I'm I listen miserable to the there. podcast? Absolutely not. I hope I not. don't think they even know I have a podcast. And frankly, it doesn't affect my work ethic because I'll, I do the work just as well, regardless. Nothing suffered on that regard. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think you can get fired for what you think in your head. Well, you can get fired for anything. Yeah, they just well, may not like you one day. I, I don't know if they like me now. They seem to. I mean, we get along pretty well. I get along with everybody. They're not mean people. I don't think they're immoral well, or anything. Well, I have I brought this up in order to spice up the conversation into what it became because that's the reason I brought it up because I want to have this conversation in this kind of atmosphere. Yeah. I just I want so badly for you to to get what it is you want out of your life, okay? I mean, that's the main thing to me. That's my motivation. It has nothing to do with me being proud of you because you would do something else. It has nothing to do with that. Right, right. If, if your success level was Reverend Mitch, then that's fine. But my suggestion only has to do with just like I say, a marketing thing. I understand. In marketing, you have to forget everything except getting accepted by a large audience. That's what marketing is. Right. And so I'm always going to lean in that direction because I know that that's the way you become successful. Right. So that, that's all. Well, and, I and mean, that, and that's that's. that's for me, the the Reverend Mitch part of it, you know, the Reverend part of Reverend Mitch, is it comes down to that thing where I go, does it help or hinder? In a sense, it helps because there's been plenty of times where I've been at a comedy club and somebody will say, oh, this will be fun. We've got a Reverend coming up and people turn their heads and they'll stop. They'll put their drinks down for a minute. Who, what? You know, and, uh, and I'll get that as a comedian, you need about a minute. You always need that first minute. With that, if they like you for that first minute, you can go anywhere. If they hate you, you're going nowhere but down. Or it's a very long climb back up. So uh, anything that helps you get that first minute. And so that's what I'm saying is sometimes it helps, sometimes it hinders. I haven't yet figured out which is which. I do know misspelling of the name, although it's pronounced weird. But there's plenty of names that are pronounced weird that are natural. Uh, in this case, it's pronounced a little weird, or it looks like it would be pronounced weird. 
but it helps me immensely insofar as, you know, searches and stuff like that. And uh, it's helped my online persona a lot, which is, you know, helped me out in my career. So I guess what I'm saying is that I'm not opposed to, to adapting to a wider audience, but I don't always know what part to adapt. And also... Well, I can tell you, you right know, now, just, I mean... I've actually been paid for this kind of advice I'm giving you. So I'm telling you, without the Reverend Mitch looking differently, having a different look, and not using the Reverend in there, is going to be the bigger audience. I can tell you right now, there is no doubt about that. There is, without a doubt, a certain segment of the population that is going to be attracted to what you do now. But it'll never be the wider section. Okay? That's just, just the way it just is. You said looking different would help get a wider audience or hinder it? Help. So you're you're in favor of me looking different, but just Absolutely. not the reverend part. The reverend part and looking different. That would be like if if you said if you said, Okay, I'm at my wits end, I want to do what I gotta do to get out of this situation and be successful. The first two things would would be no reverend, and you got to look different. That would be the first. I do two look things. different. Well, you got to look. Yeah, you use. Oh, I see. You mean look different, different than from I the do way right you now. are now. Oh, I thought you meant look like a different. You know. Okay, I see. see. Now that I feel has helped me actually. You see, this is what's wrong with texting. You, when you're doing this in person, you can explain <laughs> this. Texting, you would know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so those things. Because, see, i got to believe, just like baseball and football, there's scouts. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are just agents. Mm-hmm. They probably spend their life going in these comedy clubs, you know, and watching sitcoms. They're trying to find the next guy that's going to produce a lot of grass for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those guys know what I know. And that is that the larger audience is where you need to be. And as soon as you show the ability that they would say is the larger audience, you're suddenly going to get these people in your life. And that's where you want to be, in my opinion. You want to have agents in your life. Right. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is that there's plenty of situations where standing out visibly and looking weird and whatever is its own sort of um, novelty. In a way, it is a novelty, and it's it's a novelty, and I guess Alice Cooper is the best example of that. (laughs) There's another good one. Like, would he be? Would he be? be What's his real? What's his real name? Vincent Italian something. I can't ever. I know they call him Vinny. The guys. Let's 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 call him Vinny Smith. Vinny Smith, short-haired guy, not doing the crazy stage antics. Calling himself Vinny Smith guy, yeah, we would have never heard of him. Okay, but let let's back up a minute. Okay, okay, let's look at what he does versus stand up comedy. <laughs> okay, sure, totally different thing. Totally different. This is where you get into the on the weekends or when he goes golfing. He, he's exactly. just Vinny. He's at all eating yeah. cereal with his kids and all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And that, so but that's just that's it. the point. That's the point, though. That has always been the point for the last ten years that I've talked to you about this subject. Yeah, well, but he wears yeah he wears is, stage makeup and everything else, but he still keeps the long hair all the time. 
Well, he has to. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I would have to have kept the mohawk. Okay. I can't, I can't selectively pick a mohawk up and put it on my head. Oh. So I had to keep the mohawk the whole time. If you were a, I tell you what, if you were a rock singer and you wrote music <laughs> and you had a band, yeah, you yeah. could look worse than you look now all you want to. Black under the eyes, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. your ears, whatever yeah. you want to well, do. Well, maybe it's time for that in comedy. Maybe there's time for a little One bit of crazy. Pioneer that goes out and pioneers it. I would say, bless you. Go ahead. I mean, I, I'm not trying to pioneer not, anything. I, I genuinely like that look. Move to a happier future. And it also, it's it's that kind of thing where I say I'm a walking expletive. When I look like when I do, you know, when I had the mohawk, especially, especially if I dyed it colors and so on and so forth. Nobody'd look at me walk up on stage and think, "Ah, this guy's going to tell a pleasant story about squirrels." Because I was a walking expletive, where the thoughts you had in your head would include words that I was about to say through the mic. There's massive amounts of people that would not like the way you looked. I'm sure, and those same people would not like the way I talked either. So exactly. You... Well, we well we wait a minute. We already know that you'll never be. On HBO, standing on well, HBO allows cursing, but they yeah. cut it back quite a bit. But you're not going to be cursing and being in a, in a wide audience. You're not going to be the Bill Cosby of cursing type of thing, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, in the lifestyle that we have now in this country, I do think you can get away with some of it and still be a big hit. But see what I want to have. See what I'm envisioning for you is a totally different future, probably than what you're envisioning, or maybe not. You want see, me to be Bill Cosby? You want to be an actor? Oh, I see. See, I think what's going to happen is if you if you listen to the old man here, is you're going to get on stage, you're going to get an agent, and you're going to start getting these little pieces like you got that one that that I enjoy rewatching. I still have it on my. EVR thing. Where I have no speaking lines. I'm walking around with an AK-47. Oh, I'm just saying, though, but you made a certain presence on that show. It was very good. I mean, you were very noticeable. And, you know, it's like, who's that guy? I mean, you know. Yeah. So I'm saying if you had five or ten of those going on at the same time and you were doing your act to make a couple of bucks so you'd pay your rent with it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm thinking you're going to go. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody puts you in some little TV show that may only last one season or something, but that's all you need. Right. Get... It, goes, it goes from there. I understand. Right. Yeah. That's oh, usually, yeah. That's what I'm seeing. When I asked you five years, that's what I was talking about. I'm mm. saying if you said to yourself, in five years, I will be on television. Mm. You know, just listen up now. I'm listening. So now we back up five years. How do I get from what I am right now to being on television in five years? Because right. body in the whole state where you live is trying to get on television. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not opposed to it. I, I just yeah. don't know. It, the, the thing is that I don't know that I would make a good actor. Um, well, they, yeah. You know. You, you may not even want to be an actor. I don't know. I'm just telling you, in my mind, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, right. see, because I, I pay a lot of attention to the stories of these people that are on TV and in yeah. the movies and how they started. How did they get to this? Sure. I pay a lot of attention to that. Quite a few of them were comedians. Quite yeah. a few. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Usually not very good comedians. Well, just, right, but that's there hasn't what they, been a yeah. you know. Robin Williams is one of the few exceptions where he was an amazing comedian. Yeah, and I'd say a better comedian than he is an actor. But you know, I haven't really liked a lot of his movies. He's doing some pretty good acting parts now. When you look at that one he did about the Photoshop thing, yeah, no, that's true. That's good. true. Yeah, I mean, he's good. I, I don't it's have. I, I think he's great at both Gina. things. So yeah. anyway, that's what I'm saying. Is in five years we want to be on TV, right? We may not be the biggest star and get Academy Awards or anything. We're just talking about being on TV. That's all we're talking about. I've been on TV. <laughs> okay, but you're going to have a regular appearance right, on right. TV. So now we back up to right now, and let's start taking little short, choppy moves toward that five year. If mm. the choppy moves are you shave your hair, you cut the goatee, you take the metal off your face, you still curse, but you tell jokes dressed like you are right now. I do. You've seen me. I dress up on stage. I get, I yeah. wear a full suit and everything. That's true. So I'm just saying. I'm very big on the visuals. That is so. So I'm just saying, if you did it like that, and you thought of it in that five years, I'm gonna be on TV every day, or every week. That's that makes sense, and it's something you can actually think about, plan for, and make little moves in that direction. Right. Well, well I, I, I'm doing that just. Way, a, I don't kind, have a. I don't have an end goal necessarily. That's kind of I mean, the way. I do, but you know. What's that? That's kind of the way that happens. It happens because somebody thought of it that way. Right, right. That's the way you do it. It really is. Yeah. Okay, we're at quarter after eight. The hockey right. is already on. In fact, I got three hockey games on right now. Radio. You know, so I mean. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we'll see if I end up on TV in five years. <laughs> well, you might end up before that, but that's a good, you know, that's a good spot to look for. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, you, 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 you could kind of look at it that way. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, I don't know that I'm cut out for acting. Um, I do you like doing comedy. Like acting. I don't know. Yeah, what do so I I'm going the comedy route and, you know, doing what... what the, the standard practice of, of a comedian is to perform as often as you can while jo working a job you hate. Okay, so yes. let's say you're doing this, and one night a guy comes and he says, Hey, I got a deal. I'd like to be your agent. I got a deal with so-and-so. You know, FX Network is running this thing, and I'd like you to trial for a part on that. Okay. Like that. It's going to be one of those kind. It's not going to be like an NBC special no, on no, 8 no, o'clock on a Saturday night. That's yeah, not yeah, no. I wouldn't expect that. No. Yeah. So you kind of, you know, that happens. And then you have to decide, do I want to do this? Because it's, you know, the acting is a whole... Oh, I certainly, no, I certainly wouldn't turn it down by any means. I'm just saying that's not the active path. You know what I'm saying? Well, that, that's what, that's unfortunately what I had in mind. But that's just oh, me. You. you got your own it's, life. It's a lot like, real quick, it's, it's like I'm driving on the highway... And I'm like, ah, I don't want to take that exit. Uh, I was going to take a different exit. But then there's a detour, and I end up having to take that exit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be fine with it, you know. That's good. Yeah. That's just sort of how I got where I am now. I, I planned on being in a band. I never planned on doing comedy. But uh, I took a detour. And here you I are. Think that I, feel, I feel more comfortable as an actor, as a comedian, than I did as a musician. So, you know. Okay. Better route. All right. Well, enjoy your hockey game. We'll talk again in a week. All righty. All righty. Take care, hey, Dad. 
make you more depressed. I hope I made you less depressed. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't think it affected it either way. I think okay. I'll. Uh, I, I mean, I got a lot of stuff I want to do tonight, so I'll be working. Okay. All right, I love you, and be careful on the road out there. All right, I will. Take care, Dad. Love you too. With the baby. I'll send you the other one I took. Okay, good. All right. Be careful. Good night. All right, good night.